all of us inside of us have that, that knee-jerk tendency to ask, is this really it? Like, is, this, is that thing that we're worried about really certain? And what we're looking at today is a story from the life of Jesus. It's an early story in his ministry before he was cool um, that, that lights up, that really brings up the ability that we actually have to be certain in things that God does. Why? Because certain is better. Certain is way better than questioning and always wondering. Certainty is better. And God understands that about you and me. So every time that we're turning the car around to go back and see if the garage door actually closed, and my theory is as soon as you turn your car around, the garage door magically goes down. Like you don't even need to drive all the way home. Just the fact that you have turned your car around to go check, the garage door is down. Because every time I get home, the garage door is always down. God steps into this and gives us an event that's from him that's so perfect. It's one of those, I'm gonna make it flat out obvious for you that Jesus is actually who we're looking for. Okay, we're a church, and so we're big on Jesus, and this story is really big on Jesus, too. It's God pressing into the fact that certain is better. Faith is one of those things that, that even in its definition, even in our understanding of what faith is, there's this baked-in uncertainty to it, but the story we're going to look at today, there is no uncertainty in it at all. Why? Because, once again, certain is better. I can say it, or a video can say it. Let's roll tape, media team. Can we even afford this house? I'm pretty sure we can. Pretty sure. With Rocket Mortgage, you can be certain. Not pretty sure. What's the difference? Let me show you. I'm pretty sure these aren't poisonous. I'm pretty sure these are parachutes. Mine has a sandwich. That's mine. Pretty sure you do not run. I'm pretty sure you could take Batista down. You're on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is trending. I'm pretty sure these hornets aren't the murdering type. I'm pretty sure we can make it. Certain is better. Let's go with certain. Good choice. Hi, neighbor. I'll hold the dog. Not again. If you liked that, there's going to be a whole lot more of those throughout the service. This is what we like to do every year. The first Sunday after the Super Bowl is relive some of the funnest moments for it. If you're a Chiefs fan, it was definitely the most fun moments from the Super Bowl. Those are the commercials. So uh, you must be new here to think I'm not going to dump on the losing team. Okay. Uh, we're in Luke 3. There's a guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist is Jesus's rural, tough as nails, probably homeschooled cousin because he's fully off the grid. And he's set up outside of Jerusalem and he's baptizing everyone who will come out to him. It's the symbolic element of you and me turning from our sins to follow God. And this is his mission. This is why he was sent. He's not there by accident. He's actually someone that God plans to be there. And God talked about years in advance, and God actually told his parents before he was born, this is why your son is coming into the world. So John the Baptist, Jesus' rural, tough-as-nails cousin, is out baptizing people, and one day, Jesus shows up. And this, if I could put myself in the place of one Bible person one day, like this would be weird because this is John the Baptist who's baptizing people as they turn from their sin and Jesus walks up. So imagine this, you're looking at the line, wicked, 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 son of God, wicked, wicked. Like one of these people doesn't fit. And so Jesus walks up to John 
And this is what happens. This is the obvious event that is the gift from God up on the screen. It says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily deform descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Like that's the moment. There's three things in here where God says, pause. All your uncertainty, all your faith is going to leave because right now I'm gonna drop certainty in your lap, rock solid. Jesus is somebody different. This really happened. This is absolute certain. And and God makes it clear for everyone. There's three elements in that that we can see on the screen. The first one is the heavens open. The heavens open, like this was a cloudy day and God just made the clouds not be there anymore. There are three times that he did this in the New Testament and all three of these were seriously significant events. Two of them involved Jesus, Jesus being announced as the savior of the world and one of them was when Jesus was on the cross and God is demonstrating uh, the fact that this is a significant moment. It's where the sins of all humanity, past, present, future, things that we've done and things that we haven't done when we should have done, all these sins are being paid for. Heaven opens. Next thing is a dove comes down. What's the big deal about a dove? Like, seriously, there's birds everywhere. I hear them every morning as I'm trying to sleep, is there's birds. And this, this is one of the few times in the Bible where God takes on, human, takes on physical form, not human, dove form, physical form, and jumps into a story. It's once again, it's his time of saying, I'm gonna make this obvious for everyone. I'm jumping into the story. There are a few times when this happened in the Old Testament. One of them is in the life of a guy named Jacob. Jacob is a complete manipulator. Every situation that he's in, he's using people to his own gain. He's a manipulator. And so God takes on human form and he comes as a warrior, as a wrestler that Jacob could no longer manipulate. He can't talk his way out of this. He can't fight his way out of this. He can't wrestle his way out of it. Jacob has met his match. It's God with skin on jumping into human events to make a point really, really clear. Another one is in the life of a guy named Joshua. Joshua is a warrior. And so before the biggest battle of Joshua's life, God takes on the form of a warrior and comes to talk to Joshua. Another one is in the life of a guy named Isaiah where he's... It's, it's a big time for the kings in their country. And so God takes on the form of a king and enters into Isaiah's life. And everything's changed for that moment. In this point, God takes on physical form as a dove and comes down through the person of the Holy Spirit. It's a dove that you can see. It's a dove that's full, filled with the Holy Spirit. But really, why a dove? In that country, in that system, they completely understood why. Because doves were things that that poor people would sacrifice to cover their sins. And so, that's right, it's a big victory. And so God is coming into the world to say, this person is gonna be the sacrifice for all humanity. Rich people, poor people, people from this area, people from every area across the earth. God is coming into the world to be the sacrifice for their sins. And then God God spoke as this dove, this innocent payment for sacrifice is descending, God speaks and he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, one of the things that gets messed up, error prone in our head uh, is this idea that God's only happy with us when we've done stuff. God's only happy with us when we've lived according to everything that he said where we've never ever messed up at all. And at this point, Jesus has done absolutely nothing good and God says, this is my son that I love. 
Zero miracles, zero times preaching and expanding on God's word so everybody can understand. Zero sacrifice for our sin. And God says, this is my son whom I love. He's already in love with God, in love with Jesus like he's in love with you and me. And this is God making it clear that I am on the move. So God uses this event of Jesus getting baptized to put his huge stamp of approval on the life of Jesus and say, this is my man I am sending into the world to make a difference. And the point of that certainty, the point of that certainty being better is that you and I have certainty now in the way that we live. If you're a Christian and you believe that Jesus died for your sins, that's more than a good feeling. That's more than a decision that you made. That is a historical event that happened that was documented by numerous people inside and outside of the Christian faith. And that should change the way that you and I live. Certainty pushes us into action. It gives us a reason. It gives us an event on which we base our salvation, an event on which we base the rest of our lives because one day Jesus' body was put into a tomb. Three days later, he walked out under his own power because Jesus was alive. And from that event, everything changed. Because up until that point, Jesus is a good person with good ideas who says hard things, that if we actually lived by them, everything would change. But when Jesus rose from the dead, that event took on flesh. That, that, the fact that Jesus saves us from our sin had a backbone to it, had a dateline to it, had a location to it where our eternal destiny changed. Because if Jesus rises from the dead, then we have to accept everything that he says. He said, I'm gonna die. He said, I'm gonna rise from the dead. He pulled it off. And so the rest of his ministry, everything else that he said in that point now has life-changing relevance for us. And certainty leads us into action. So where's our certainty? What does this look like? The first thing is that our new lives are different. Certainty leads us into action because our new lives are different. And they're different because we don't follow ourselves. We don't follow a better version of ourselves. We follow Jesus. Or as Drake from State Farm says, we're the stand-in. Let's roll another tape. Hey, Ratchets, look, I'm you. <laughs> Drake from State Farm, you couldn't find a stand-in who looked anything like me? Have you seen mine? It's like looking in a mirror, right? Now that one makes sense. Look guys, I don't even have a stand-in. Of course you do. Hold on, is that Drake? That's right, Drake from State Farm. Like, like a, a good, good neighbor. neighbor. Like, like a, a good neighbor. neighbor. Stand-ins don't have lines. Oh, okay. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I love that. Stand-ins don't have lines, but you know what is where Jesus is standing? We have lines. We have a life that he calls us to, a life that he fills us for, a life that he wakes us up every day for because you and I are put in our jobs, in our houses, in our lives on purpose because our certainty that we have about who Jesus is makes a difference as it flows through us into the lives of those around us. It's one of those things that we say every week is Jesus doesn't just stay inside of you. You've got lines. It comes out of you. It makes a difference around you. And that begins with salvation. It's the decision that, that Jay talked about earlier. Man, I'm giving everything that I know of myself to everything that I know of God. He's taken my sin. I'm taking his perfect life. I'm receiving the righteousness of Jesus, the right standing of Jesus, and he's taken all of my sin. That means that I'm different. 
This is the second Sunday of the month, which means usually on the second Sunday of the month, hopefully, not usually because that hasn't been our track record, hopefully on the second Sunday of the month, we're going to have baptisms. If you're here, you're out of junior high and you're a follower of Jesus, next Sunday is your time to get baptized, or next month is your time to get baptized. And I want to start this usual rotation of people getting baptized on the second Sunday of each month. Why? Because our new lives are different and these are part of our lines as Jesus is standing. What's baptism then? It's our line of saying, this is what God has done for me. He saved me from my sin. He gave me a new life. And these are the ways that it's been fleshed out in my life. And I'm now different. It's outward confirmation of an inward decision. Next thing, if our new lives are different, that means our old lives are dead. I've got an uncle uh, who doesn't really like church, so he's unlikely to ever be here. And the reason he doesn't like church is he doesn't like somebody telling him that he's a sinner. The thing about that is God is so much greater when you and I admit the fact that we are not great, but we are sinners, that we are men and women who constantly in every area of our life run away from God. And what God did that was so substantial was he sent Jesus in the world to run after us because we needed to be run after So part of walking to a new life means that we're walking away from our old life. And the more that you and I get used to saying, I am a sinner, I mess up, my old life keeps crawling back from the grave and it ruins days for me. The more that we get used to saying that, the more we can appreciate Jesus's work on the cross for us. That our lives really are different. That this certain event where God parts the heavens, comes down in the form of a dove to represent the pure, innocent sacrifice that's going to be poured out for you and me. And saying that he said to Jesus, just like he says to you and me, these are my sons, these are my daughters, in whom I am well pleased and with whom I want relationship. The more we understand how broken we are, the more we can celebrate that. Because our old lives really are dead. Which means that we spend the rest of our life Daily getting up and saying, I don't want to do that anymore. Jesus, help me to live a new life. Or, like Eminem says, let's watch this one. I feel bad for kicking your seat on purpose. I'm sorry for mansplaining. That's when a man... I know what it is. We should have just told you it's a boy. (laughs) I wish you didn't have to hear all that. Sorry I called you Karen. That's my name. Sorry, your name is Karen. I promise I will not eat any more of your friends. Really? Okay, it might happen one more time. That's our life. I'm sorry that once again I did the thing that I don't want to do. It's part of us following Jesus is realizing that following Jesus means running away from everything that comes naturally to us. And if your name is Karen, we're also really sorry. We, one of the life groups back there advertised on the table is for Regen. Regen is our church's recovery program, and I know that because I went through it uh, with a couple other people in here. If you're looking for a tangible, practical, like, grip around walking away from your old life, walking into the new life that Jesus has for you, sign up for that. And if you're thinking, yeah, well, I don't want to do all the work. I don't, that's not for me. I don't know it's going to work. Sign up for it. Because doing something is way better than doing nothing and expecting something to change. So I can say that because I went from it and went through it because I got issues and now I have less issues. It's great. Our old lives are dead because Jesus brings new life and our mission is to see everyone come to know Jesus like we know Jesus. Our mission is to see everyone know Jesus like we know Jesus. Like once again, we're not just put here on accident. We are put here on a mission.
We got one more, let's go. Did you know that Norway sells way more electric cars per capita than the US? Norway. <laughs> well, I won't stand for it. Never mind. With GM's new Ultium battery, we're gonna crush those losers. Crush them! Let's go, America. Keenan, Norway's out EVing us. Wait, what's this? Oh, it's my daughter's birthday. She's really in pirates lately. I don't lately. care. Grab an EV, meet me in Norway. Okay, can I say goodbye to my family? Nope. All right. Ah! <clears throat> Aquafina, sorry to disturb you, but Norway's beating us at EVs. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. 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 Meet me there in an hour. Can I ride with you? No! GM's Ultium battery is made for all types of vehicles, so soon everyone can drive an EV. Oh! Why didn't we all just go together? No one will, he's probably flying private. Hey, Norway, listen up, you fish-loving! Oh. This place is adorable. Where are you guys? We're in Finland. Where are you? I'm in Norway. Norway? You're in Sweden. Our mission is to see people know Jesus the way that we've known Jesus. And the thing is, is that we're here because somebody else had that mission for you. Somebody else had that mission for you to know Jesus and for him to change your life. And that's why we're here. And this is what's changed the world for 2,000 years, way before electric vehicles were a thing, is that Jesus saves sinners. That's us. As a church, that's our mission. And we've seen over the last few weeks, we've seen five people say yes to Jesus. That's a big deal for us. We've seen that church, whether it's indoors or whether it's outdoors, it takes a team of people to see that happen. It takes a team of people, people like you and me who are saying, I'm gonna get involved, I'm gonna invest my gifts the way that God has already wired me to see the church continue to take ground in this part of the city. We were talking in prayer this morning about what, what do we see our church being? And God, give us pictures of this. And my picture was somebody standing out on the street corner just inviting all four directions around this place for people to come here and meet Jesus. That's who we are. We're a group of imperfect people on a mission because we worship a perfect person and God is gonna use us to do that.